you know, it's in that way that I feel like sex workers are some of the most resilient people. Hello, everyone. I'm SX Noir, and this is the Thought Leader Podcast. With industry thought leaders, this podcast aims to demystify and destigmatize topics in sex, culture, and technology. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. The opinions expressed by the guests of Thought Leader Podcast are their own. Listener discretion is advised. Today, I am here with two brilliant rising stars in porn. Nighting. Oh! <laughs> I kind of knew you were going to catch me up. <laughs> like, rising which we are here. Girl, rising thing. where? 16 years, can I think I'm roasting? <laughs> Rose again, okay? <laughs> I'm here with Natasha and Connie. Please introduce yourselves. I want first. I'm Connie Perignon. I am an adult actress and originally from LA. Hi everybody, I'm Natasha Dreams. I am a dinosaur actress and I'm from San Diego originally, but I've been living most of my life in New York and Europe. What were you all doing before you got into porn? I was modeling, actually. I've been a sex worker for years. Started off as a sugar baby, moved into escorting, and then now Nice. You know, I, what I love about both of you is that you're so open about being also in sex work and also in porn. Like, do you think there's a lot of stigma around being in both? And like, how does that make you guys feel? There's definitely a lot of stigma. And honestly, I feel like it's very unfounded. We do the same thing. Yes. We're all fucking for money. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like just because there's a camera in front of you doesn't make it more legitimate than another, you know, and it's just... It's an example of how the hierarchy, like, can, you know, create division, like, between the groups when in in actuality, it's like a one band, one sound sort of situation where we should all support each other regardless of what level of sex work we do. And so that it both goes hand in hand because when I started in porn, it's because they saw an advertisement of mine doing sex work. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay. And so then I also used the porn to get my rates up mm -hmm. to do sex work. And so it's it, it all goes hand in hand. And I understand the division because I'm, I know not a lot of those hoes <laughs> are out there sex work on the side. Mm -hmm. And that's something too that we I like to bring up is that people think that it's this big division between in-person work and digital work right. and most work simultaneously between both of them. And so when you have like this online presence, which you all have a huge online presence and then you're also working in person, mm -hmm. um, it can bring a lot of different dynamics to your work. And so what, I know that you just recently got into porn, mm -hmm. like what was that want to expand what you're doing? I mean, it's kind of like what Natasha said, like, I was given this really amazing opportunity to try porn and it was a big enough opportunity where I was like, it'd be dumb to not try this. And everybody knows I do anything for a good story. So I was like, you know, if anything, you do the one scene and then get to say years down the line, like, oh, grandma, did porn once, you know? <laughs> and that scene ended up, you know, going trending and everything. So it was kind of seeing the traction where I was like, okay, I think I should actually pursue this and, you know, it's basically you're doing free advertisement. Mm. You know, you're getting paid to advertise and mm. it's the best publicity you can get because it opens you up to an entirely new audience that might not have seen you before. 
And that's really kind of what I was going for. And it was only after doing like a few scenes where I'm like, okay, I see the potential of what this can be. I want this to be the last job I ever do. Mm. I'm going to go full tilt and do this. So, yeah. That's brilliant. I mean, you say you've been in the game 15 years. Yeah, almost like 20 years. No. Yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, you're 21. Forever 21. Forever 21. I started like 2004, I think. 2005, around there. But I always like dibble and dabble. Like I would do it. I would like shoot a lot of scenes and I would like disappear for like months and go to Europe and live like a normal life. And then I would come back and shoot. I was always like in demand because there wasn't a lot of black trans performers. So I was able to live my life. And when I came back, I always had work. So it wasn't like, I was like every year, like, oh my God, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes I would like disappear for like six months. I would come back. They were like, oh, you're back, let's shoot. And I'm like, okay, honey, you got money for me? I'm about that life. <laughs> and what's the journey been like from when you started until now as in a digital sense, right? Like it's everything's transformed with social media, with, yeah, OnlyFans, all these different platforms now that you're using. Yeah, when I first started, it was like only a handful of us trans performers and we were like all friends. And like we all knew each other, we all respected each other. You know, they would put us on the DVD covers and stuff like that. And it's funny to see the market get so saturated with, I want to be 100% honest, a lot of imposters because they mm -hmm. see that there's a market for it. So they're like this guy all of a sudden. And then next two days later, they want to be trans because it's like trending. And I'm like, you don't really even understand the struggle to be trans. And I feel like the market is very saturated at this point. Because I see some of the performers and I'm like, so it's been a big evolution and a big divide as well, because there's the girls that were there first and then the girls that came and the, some of the girls that came are more, more exposed and more celebrated than the original ones. And there's no respect between the girls that were here before they got here and the girls that are here now. So it's kind of a hot mess, to be honest. And I kind of like stay away from it. And I'm like one foot in and one foot out, to be honest. And you've gone through like a really big transition, may I just say, recently. What's that journey being like as a Black trans performer going through a transition and like how that has changed your career? Yeah, it was really scary because before I had surgery, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Because this is like my bread and butter. And I didn't mm -hmm. think that I would be able to work after that. But I was optimistic and I know like my past has always led me to something and so I just did and I had my gender confirmation surgery in the middle of a contract that I had for Evil Angel oh, yeah. and then when I spoke to them they were like hey do you want to shoot like after surgery and I'm like sure and I, I was directing I shot it I started in it and I, actually it went over really well and I'll be 100% honest, I like performing like this more than before because this is me and I mm. feel more comfortable in my body and I feel like I can get an even better performance because the, the, I feel in my skin now. Okay. And luckily it went over very well. I didn't think it was going to go over so well. I thought I'll mm. shoot like one scene or whatever. People be like, oh my God, why do you do that? Which I still get that. And it's like very toxic. To, for someone to try to judge me for what I did for my body, for my exactly. sanity. But luckily, like, thank God and everything, the powers above that it went over really well. And I'm, I'm still getting to request to shoot. And I still have my contract for Evil Angel. And I'm really happy that I, and I also can 
show other performers that you don't have to stay how you don't want to mm -hmm. in order to make a living. Like, you know, there's a market for us. They want to see us. It's, they want you as a person. And if you can give a good performance, a real performance, they right. don't really care what your genitalia are mm -hmm. at that moment. Hell yeah. Period. I love that. I love that. Well, we were all sitting at Sevo House one day and Natasha just flipped her pussy and I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Like, God damn. Like, I was like, we have to go look at my pussy. I was like, uh, yes. I'm absolutely, yes. Yes. absolutely yes. And I think that this is the thing too about porn in the modern age is like, there's so many, there's so much variety now. Mm -hmm. And I remember listening to your, your Pornhub interview about how these mainstream categories are just more blurred now than they mm -hmm. used to be. And also, you know, it's my body, my choice. And so we can right. do whatever we want with our bodies to appeal to, to the market that we want to make money from. Um, so I'm grateful. Now, porn stars are the most economically badass entrepreneurs I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I want to know how have you guys had any challenges with the finances and banking or anything like that when it comes to porn? Yeah, I think within sex work in general, it's always going to be a thing. Like banking discrimination is very much real. Having accounts shut down just with no rhyme or reason. They don't even give you a warning. Like I've had cash apps taken down. I've had PayPal taken down. Had to open new bank accounts, stuff like that. And we have to get pretty creative with how we work around it, just like everything else. You know, we're constantly being censored. And every time it happens, you're just like another one. How do we pick up and go from here and adapt and figure it out? And you know, it's in that way that I feel like sex workers are some of the most resilient people because it's just we, we already have the stigma from society alone. And then you have like all of this, you know, just blockages, all these conflicts like you're just trying to exist and things are being taken away from you for no reason at all. You know, like luckily I haven't like ever lost housing or things like that, but that's very much a thing that happens, you know? So it's, it's actually just incredible to see how as every time we get censored, it's like, pick yourself up and figure out, okay, what's that? Well, and it's also just so hypocritical because sex workers built these platforms. Sex workers mm -hmm. cash up, sex workers build PayPal, mm -hmm. sex workers build Tumblr, which no longer Tumblr no longer exists. But you know, and so that's like the the really fucked up part. You know, mm -hmm. I recently like talking about discrimination, like I had my Instagram taken down right. and I oh. felt so sensitive toward that because mm -hmm. my entire life for the last seven years is on this platform. Like right. I have little sneaky links. I don't even know their Instagrams anymore. Right. Like I can't even message certain people anymore. Yeah. So it was distressing. Yeah. yeah. Like I had my Instagram taken down now like five, six times. In the last month I've had it taken down like three times. Oh I lost my first original account. I had it for 10 years. Yeah. And like yeah. I was archiving basically 10 years of my life on there. And to me, that was the biggest blow of like, okay, yeah, I did lose a lot of contacts. I lost all the like network that I built, but what I lost were my memories. Yeah. Like those are photos I can't get back and yeah. videos I can't get back, yeah. you know? And like just recently I have a newsletter that I send out just basic life updates, tour updates, porn updates, stuff like that. I have been kicked off five different newsletter platforms now and it's gone to the point where I, there's no more that I can get on hmm. so now it's like okay I guess I have to build something yeah you know and like 
and it's just been I like this just happened this past week. I got kicked off to, of two different ones after I had built a completely new newsletter on both. Yeah. And then I checked my email before I even sent anything out. And I was like, your account's blocked. I think that when I do interviews with people in the sex industry, they're always like, what does that have to do with technology? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that while we are the most innovative in those spaces, we're the most discriminated against at the exact same time. Right. So I think it's really important to think about the small guys. Well, we're not actually small guys. We're actually really big fish. Yeah. But the ones who have the least protection because people need to understand civilians that they can come after you in the same way they come after mm -hmm. sex. Um, and now that we have like Elon Musk's Twitter and Elon Musk's new internet coming, mm -hmm. it's just going to be interesting to see how discrimination echoes in these new chambers, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I'm so over this, like the discrimination. I've had like 12 accounts of Instagram deleted in like a year, wow. honestly. And it's just like really exhausting because I feel like they're trying to erase my existence mm -hmm, yes. as a black trans woman yeah. and a sex worker. And it's like, sometimes I don't even post anything. I'll post a picture in like workout gear and the wall, like a porn top workout gear, delete it. And I'm like, oh my God. And it's so frustrating because like you said, like those are your contacts, those are your memories, that's your promotion. Mm -hmm. That's how I eat. And this is how I provide for myself. And no one else is really trying to give me any help, but everybody's trying to take it away. So it's very frustrating at times. And like Connie said, my, I've had like Cash apps, PayPal, Venmo, blocked. And it's just like a girl is just trying to live at right. the end of the day. It also creates this economy where basically people can blackmail you. So I've been having, there's been a person that's been blackmailing me for months. And he's the person who keeps getting my Instagram taken down. He's reporting me for impersonation of myself. Mm -hmm. He's reporting me for hateful content, hate speech, like anything. And he's trying to extort me. Like he's like asking me for money so I can get my account back. And this is a thing that isn't just exclusive to me. I know many different sex workers are getting targeted in this way because they know that that's how we eat. We, we have money, mm -hmm. you know, and that they can do that. And so it's like on top of everything that we have to deal with, we have zero protections against stuff like that, yeah. against literal extortion, which is crazy. Discrimination in digital space is so real. And when you have legislation like FOSSA-SESTA, mm -hmm. which is when my activism started, which anyone listening, FOSSA-SESTA is the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act and Stop Violence Against stop Ooh, let's just go with foster <laughs> let's just go with foster it was passed in 2018 under trump and basically it allowed people to discriminate against sex workers in digital space and what people don't understand is like yes it took down our bad client list it took down our advertising sites but it also changed the structure of terms of services for these digital platforms which when you go and you try to report hey someone's stalking me someone's harassing me these platforms go eh. I don't see it. It's not a big deal because you are dealing with something around sex. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to get into it. Now, I want to get into it. So, yeah, I want to get into it. I'm just like cute. Like, I love all the, the smart talk. So, who is you all's favorite person you've done a scene with? Because I, I know if I broke my, if I ever broke into porn, who my first scene would be with? Pope. Uh, Owen Gray. Oh my okay. god. No questions asked. Yeah, no. No questions really asked. Good. I made him yeah. bacon and waffles one day. <laughs> and ever since I've been fiending. Yeah, no, he's really, really, really good. He's so soft spoken. Yeah. Too. 
That is probably one of my favorites. The dick is amazing. It's like you, I love it that he just like sets up the camera and you have sex. Yeah. There's no like, oh, it's you got to this and yeah. this scene. <laughs> yeah. And like sometimes I'll be like, whoa, like this is getting a little too hot. And like, yes, yes, daddy, period. So yeah, I think that he's probably one of my favorites for the guys. And for girls, I love working with, Kira was really hot, but I also like, Kira's really hot. And then I also like working with my wifey, Anna Fox, mm -hmm. which I worked with her once before surgery, and now I'm about to work with her again. I'm really excited about that. Oh, wow. I'm very excited. Like my whole inner lesbian is like jumping for joy. <laughs> for me, I, this is a common favorite, Manuel Ferreira. He's just so <laughs> sexy and like, you can tell he's into you, you know? And it's just like this like crazy, like energy mm. and like passionate. Oh, and he's like whispering into your ear the whole time. Yes. Like dirty horny as shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's speaking French into your ears. Oh, so him and then also Alex Jones. I mm. love this man is so hot and so nice. He's like a golden retriever. That makes it even better. Yeah, so like I know so many women in the industry that are like, Alex Jones is so hot. I'm like, everybody has a crush on Alex Jones. We get it. He's tall. We got a big dick. You know? And a nice personality. And a nice personality. Try that Those are like my two dream partners to work with. Like, That's amazing. I wouldn't die. Superstar. And Ricky Johnson. Oh, no. I haven't shot with Ricky, but I really want to. It's superstars. Yeah. And then I, I guess in terms of women, I haven't really shot that much with women, mostly mm -hmm. like content. But someone I really respect, Valerica, mm -hmm. she is just, she's incredible. Like her work is incredible. She's like a super squirter. Yeah. And like, it's just, and she's like this tiny little girl and just like, she is just like, she's so strong of a performer. Like the first time I've only shot with her one time and we shot content, like a girl, girl, girl scene. And I was like, damn, I'm, I'm like with a professional. This yeah. is crazy. Like, I love that. Yeah. A true, true actresses. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm wondering too, like you will both have very public very public personas. Mm -hmm. Does it ever complicate your dating life or your connections yes. that you get to make? Oh my God. I love that question. So, like, <laughs> so bad. Like, and then it's also like the fact that people think that they can like approach you and like say mm -hmm. inappropriate things mm -hmm. or touch you or like yeah. automatically sexualize you. And I'm like, bro, like this is not a movie set. Like you're not giving me thousands of dollars. You cannot mm -hmm. show me your fucking dick in the train <laughs> station, you know? <laughs> And had true story or had that happened to me. Me too. And then it's also the insecurity of men when they know that you're having sex with someone else and like you have to like explain it. Hey, this is like work. It's like going into the office. You're like, you don't even really communicate with the person. You're like, hey, how are you? Then you have sex and then you leave. It's not like we're like, oh my God, I love you. I love yeah. you. I love you. So it's very complicated. And like it was hard for me when to be in relationships and be active and that's why a lot of the time that I would like take a break and like explain to my boyfriend like hey this is work I need the money and like finally he came around but like it's really hard to date and for people to like take it seriously because they think you're this big whore and you just fuck everybody that you know and I'm like bro like that's not how it works yeah it's so difficult dating because there are so many guys that 
think they're built to support it because it's, it makes you seem cool, right? Like, oh, my, my girlfriend's a sex worker. My girlfriend's a porn star. Da, da, da. And then when it actually push comes to shove, they're like, oh, no, I'm super uncomfortable with this. I'm very insecure about this. Like, I've had so many guys that I was dating, like, like, let on like they were okay. in the beginning yeah in the beginning, and then great. like one thing happens and they're like oh no this is not for me and usually it's something as stupid as like you receiving a gift mm-hmm. you know like someone gifted you something and they're like oh wait or like you get flown out somewhere and they're like oh this is like i'm not okay with this this is like fucked up mm-hmm. you know and like to be honest i don't i don't date because of that you know Same. all i do is work because I don't have the capacity to deal with the back and forth and like get myself in a position where I'm making myself vulnerable and like getting to know someone only to get shut down Mm -hmm. when they can't confront the reality of this is just work, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, okay, yeah, I can fuck 15 people in a week, but I go home and I want to cuddle. I want to yeah. hold hands, you know? <laughs> I want to go to dinner. I want to watch a movie, you know? And that's completely different from having sex with someone because that's your job. Right. And like, you know, I I really respect girls in the industry that can have relationships because I'm like, where'd you find that one? Same. You know? <laughs> and I, I feel like usually it's like the guy is also in the industry or something and that's why he can separate like what's work and what's like actual relationship and feelings and all of that right yeah i mean i find it difficult dating just working in sex and technology it's very stigmatizing and polarizing you know and part of the reason i got into this industry was because i'd go in these rooms and people would be talking about sex workers and and how they should be navigating technology and what they should be doing and, and how people should be treating them and i realized that you know Sex work isn't dangerous. It's dangerous because of how you treat sex workers. True. And this goes with our romantic relationships, with our friendships mm-hmm. and our working environments and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I really believe that community is so important. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so grateful to be in community with y'all. Like, how do you find your community? Do you like find them online? Do you find them in person? Do you find them at events and conventions and things like that? Like building that solidarity with other performers and artists in the space. I feel like mostly online. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, in, in the porn sector, I haven't been, been active for that long. So, mm-hmm. you know, my answer is probably going to change from Natasha's. But, you know, I think online because you get to see people's like, like work and like get to mm-hmm. kind of know like on Twitter, like their feelings and, and thoughts about stuff. Like that's the easiest way to connect to someone. And like from there, it can move offline, you know? And then, you know, an event like AVN or something like that, you get to meet them in person. Like, and so like having these spaces where we're celebrated and um, that are safe for us is so important because it's like, oh, you're someone that I've respected online forever, but now we get to hang out, I get to meet you, you know? Like AVN, this past AVN was my first one and I, it was so nice just to be around my peers. Mm -hmm. And it was very inspirational and very just like fulfilling of like, you know, having people come up to me and be like, I'm a big fan of your work. Yeah. I'm like, me? Yeah. I'm like, you realize I'm not also a character, right? <laughs> I'm just making sure you know who you're talking to. But it's very affirming to have like spaces that are just for us. I usually go by like for so long in the industry, like the people that I know and the, I really care about. 
and then I see that I see their surroundings and since I'm comfortable with them and I know them and I know their energy it's cool whoever's cool with them is cool with me mm-hmm. that's how I usually go by because I Instagram and on Twitter is sometimes really fake and people mm-hmm. portray this image True. of who they are and then you're like oh my god this person is so cool like I want to hang out with you and then you see them in person and then they walk right past you and I'm like whoa like I thought we were like cool we used to send messages mm-hmm. so I'm very kind of like protective in that way I only go I only hang out with people that I've known or I've worked with before or they're friends with someone that I know or worked with before because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of fake people in this mm-hmm. industry. And it gets really exhausting because as a vulnerable person, I want to be friends with everybody. Yeah. You can't be friends with everybody because right. everybody doesn't give a fuck. And they'll, they'll, I've had, and I've talked about this in the past, I've had like friends of mine in the industry and like another person will come and like talk to that person while I'm standing right next to them and like totally ignore me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who does that? Like you have no respect for people or anything. So now I'm very reserved with my energy. I'm nice if you come and talk to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I open up like flower, like, mm-hmm. but it's, unless you make the effort, I'm very guarded because I've been like disrespected and ignored for so long in this industry that I'm not going to overexert myself anymore. If you want to be my friend, I would love to be my friend. And I do love the people that I met in this industry or are like my closest friends. Like, I hold them closest to my heart because they know how it feels to be in my position. And they never treat me like different, you know, they treat me like as a human and as a girl and they're not, they don't ask me like stupid trans related questions mm-hmm. or, or sex related questions. And I'm like, I love that about the industry. Like people that I met in this industry have been like my closest friends yeah. for like my whole life. Mm-hmm. To be well, there's just some bonding like that you just don't have to explain. And there's just certain things you just don't have to explain. Like, right. You don't have a, a core understanding yeah. of each other. Some of the most vulgar conversations are just like a group of sex workers at lunch. <laughs> yes. And we're like, yeah. And then I like sucked this micro penis. And then like this guy came in and came on my face. And they're like, oh, yeah, that must be really hard for you. Right. Yeah. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like in Somo House, I'm like showing videos of me getting fucked in my yeah. pussy, like in the middle of Blender. And like, like, anybody else would be like, these bitches are crazy. And we were like zooming in. No, I'm like, I'm like, that angle is so oh, no, that's really cool. I love that. I love that. I love that light. I love that. Yeah. I, so I wanted to ask you all too, as being, you know, an Asian porn star, being a black trans porn star, how does this impact, um, impact your work and impact your, your creative process. I mean, it's difficult to be fetishized, but also in porn, you have categories. So it's kind of like this really balance that you have to have between your identity and also your work, you know? Yeah, it's really interesting because as an Asian porn star, I don't have the usual Asian porn star look. Mm. So, you know, being like curvy and having tattoos like there are people that look at me and they're like ew disgusting you know i get get i get called fat like multiple times a week and i'm like go outside touch grass right <laughs> come on so like there's that part of like just because i don't look like the norm people are like repulsed by me right but then there's also this segment of people that are like wow we've never seen a girl that looks like this before and because of that we like her Mm -hmm. you know one thing that i hear a lot is when people like this girl looks like porn this girl is his porn personified you know i'm like (laughs) 
But, I'd but, be fabulous. Yeah, but it is, it is difficult because especially like, you know, bringing culture into it, Asian people don't really talk about sex mm -hmm. in any capacity. I never had mm -hmm. the sex talk mm -hmm. with my family, you know, and they know now what I do and are relatively supportive. My sister is really supportive. My parents, we just don't talk about it. Right. But it is a challenging thing where... You know, it's like shame brought upon your family, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really strange. And I, I really hope that, you know, just by existing in this space that you can bring more diversity and awareness to it because all the time I have, you know, other Asian girls, not even necessarily sex workers. A lot of them are sex workers, but not all like exclusively. And they're like, thank you. You know, like you make me feel so much better about being Asian, being my East Asian features. Like you make me feel more confident. You make me want to, to explore my sexuality just by seeing you be you. Mm -hmm. So even with like all the, you know, different challenges and stuff, I know that my presence here is important mm -hmm. and is needed, you know? Hell yeah. I, I hate when I've been trying to, I actually am this on the process, but breaking the stigma that like black trans women have to be like so aggressive and dominant. Mm. Like they always portrayed me to be like this girl that wanted to fuck everybody in the ass. And that was never me. And that mm. was very difficult for me to come to put to act show on movies to make my coin. And I, I in the bottom of my heart, I'm, like, I was always a woman and I wanted to be the one who was getting fucked down to the ground. And so I, I'm, luckily I'm seeing more the sexuality coming around, but it's still like the stigma that you're black, you have a big black dick and you're going to just like fuck people while they're asleep and pin them down. And it's, it's really, it's really fucked up because that gives girls like me like a little bit of trauma because yeah. then you meet guys and they're like, like automatically bending over and I'm like, no, like I'm the one that needs to bend over. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because you're fetishized for that. Whenever you meet someone, they're like, oh, you know, you must have a big dick and you must like to fuck. And it's like, no, like I'm a woman. Like I've been on hormones for 20 something years. Like I want you to treat me like a mm -hmm. woman. And I'm luckily that I'm getting to portray that now later on in my career. I have choice to who I want to work with and what roles I want to play and how I want to perform. But in the beginning, it wasn't. It was mm -hmm. like, fuck this guy, fuck that guy, fuck this guy, fuck that guy, because that was a stereotype, and that's what they wanted us to do, which is really fucked up, because it's a male perspective of yep. what we mm -hmm. should do. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always bring it for y'all. I yeah. always bring it for y'all on the Thought Leader podcast. I'm true thought leaders. Like, what is a thought leader? Like, you all are truly pushing the boundaries of your industries, and that's what I love to have you all here. And what would you like to see for the future of sex and technology? I just want more control of like, I just want more fluidity of sexuality and not be so like categorized. Like, oh, this is gay. Like, this is trans. Like, no, this is sex. Mm -hmm. the, and you want to stop whoever you want to fuck. It should be fine. And don't cut it in a certain category. Like, everybody's fucking everybody anyways, mm -hmm. whether they want to admit it or not. And that's my thing because... Being in so long in this industry, I've seen some shit. And I'm like, let's just break all those barriers and let like everybody have a good time with their bodies. Like you said, in my body, my choice. I want to fuck a woman today. I want to fuck a girl. If I want to fuck a trans, who cares? Just label it as sex. Right. And celebrate it and not make it so taboo and like 
behind the curtains because like everybody's doing it. And once we get rid of those, those separation, then I feel like the world will be a better place and people won't be ashamed to enjoy their bodies the way that they want to enjoy it. I totally agree with that. And, you know, it's like even the little things like the label, like interracial, what does that mean? Right. If I shoot with a white guy, is that interracial? Because right. it technically is, but it's not going to be labeled that. Right. You know, so it's like, can we get rid of these coded words that clearly mean something else? Because mm-hmm. it's like, so you mean a non-black person shooting with a black person. That's right. what you mean yeah. by interracial. Right. And so some some of this stuff is just so archaic. And it's like, let's, let's upgrade from that. So that, 100% what Natasha said, but also just like, you know, I think we're doing better as a society over the last, I would say, five years of, you know, in media and everything. It's like we're saying the words sex worker now mm-hmm. instead of hooker, yeah. prostitute yeah. or things like that. So if we can just keep moving in that direction and humanizing us, because at the end of the day, we're not just like, the woman walking on the street trying to you know turn tricks we're your sister we're your cousin we're your teachers yeah we're everyone you just don't know it right. you know like i always say that everybody knows a sex worker yes you are just not aware of it you know and like and exactly what does that mean right like a housewife in the 60s fucking her husband for a washer and dryer how is that any different How's that any different? Right. It's just you put the label on it and that's what changes it, you know, but we're essentially still providing sex as a service to gain something, mm-hmm. you know? So if we can drop the stigma of like, oh, these people are unclean and, and immoral and all of that, we can just do better as a society because we all deserve respect. We all deserve, you know, like safe working conditions, no matter what you do, you know, we deserve to be affirmed as people and people first. And it doesn't matter what you do for a job unless, you know, you're doing something that harms people, you know? But other than that, like, if you're legal and you're being safe, like, we shouldn't have to constantly feel like we're battling this uphill battle of Mm -hmm. like, we're just trying to be alive. We're just trying to exist. Let us exist. 100% on that. 100% retweet. Well, you know, I actually, I think that's all. I don't know if I have any more questions for you all. Is there anything else you want to... Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming. Now I want to go get some food and relax. Yeah. Ask everybody, celebrate your local sex workers. Put the... Put black Pay trans, for your porn. Put black trans women, what all trans women on a pedestal. Yes. Don't treat us like anybody lower than anybody. We're all humans. We all deserve love. All sex workers deserve love, quality, peace of mind, relationships. Safety. Yeah, like love. Now we'll end it at that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And that's Thoughtly to Pod, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Thought Leader Podcast, hosted by me, SX Noir. Please be sure to rate, review, and share with a fellow thought leader. For more details about our guests and their work, check out our links in the description. For updates, sign up for the newsletter on my Substack and follow at sx.noir on social media. This episode's recorded by Pedro Martin and edited by Ider Armez. As always, be thoughtful.